Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So just when you're ready to get excited about Wales' Six Nations title hopes and a potential Grand Slam, rugby comes along and administers a slap in the face. This week's headlines have been dominated by Project Reset, elite world rugby proposal that excludes many Tier 2 nations, and the serious threat of scrapping the Ospreys. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast. Two episodes for you this week. Part one, we try and tackle the big issues of the week. And in part two, we will be previewing the Scotland game, including an exclusive interview with former Wales flanker Alex Popham. So be sure to listen to part two straight after this part, ready for you to download at your convenience. Dan Killick is back in the chair, ready to get to grips with the biggest talking points. How are you, Dan? Very good, Jed. Yeah, so much going on, isn't it? Yeah, it's, we were just saying off air, it's not the kind of one you want to be coming into without having done a bit of reading and a bit of research. And In a way, it's been impossible not to, though, has it? Because it's just been dominating the back pages yeah. this week. You do need to do a fair bit of reading, but almost like the more reading you do... The, the, the more questions there are. Yeah, so, yeah, you've got, to, you've got to stop it somewhere, haven't you? But yeah, loads going on. There is. And as always, I like to give listeners a little glimpse into what working with Daniel Killick is really like. Uh, this week's highlight was a WhatsApp exchange yesterday. Jed, it's Dan. I've just spoken to my mate John's cousin. He's organising the testimonial for Alan Wynne-Jones. Very big fan of the pod. My reaction, naturally, one of absolute excitement and shock. Is he really? Yes, a very big fan of the pod. John's cousin, that is, not Alan Wynne-Jones. <laughs> So yeah, just a you know a five minute period there yesterday, Dan, where my hey, John's cousin is bigger than Adam <laughs> Jones in Swansea. That's, that's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> and it's just an example though of what I have to deal with on a regular basis. But yeah. John's cousin, thank you for listening nonetheless. And it's been our biggest week and our biggest month ever. So topped off by making it into the top twenty UK rugby podcast. So thank you for all your support to every one of our listeners, especially John and his cousin. And uh, I'm sure Alan Wynn listens in his spare time. 
Right, a quick word for our sponsors before we get underway. If you're not listening before, So Coffee Trades are our sponsors, an amazing young business. They make brilliant coffee, and Scott Otten, the Osprey's hooker, is the pioneer behind all of this. So make sure you head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk to get your hands on some of that fantastic coffee. Right, Dan, we've got loads to get through in, uh, in our episodes tonight. In part, the first part of the show, which is normally fact or fiction, we've decided just to get stuck into these big topics rather than do it as... As fact or fiction, so we're going to start Project Reset or World League? Project Reset? Let's do that. Let's Thank do God that. you start. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I suppose the, the big news was the supposed proposal that RGC is set to be turned into a, a full-time professional region uh, at the expense of the Ospreys, according to the press reports. First question for you, have we seen enough evidence to suggest that pro rugby in North Wales is financially viable? No, we haven't, I would say, as of yet, and we probably won't know, will we, unless it actually happens. Um, it's quite a, you know, there's a good, there's good foundations there, mm-hmm. aren't there, but there's a long way to go, and, you know, until it happens, is there a way of us really knowing beforehand, do you think? It's very, very difficult. The, the thing that I thought of, and obviously kind of working in the, the sporting commercial area, which is, which is kind of what I do for a living... My first thought was, have they got a sponsor lined up? Have they got someone who is prepared to, to put money into this venture? You know, whether it's, uh, you know, there's, there's quite a few businesses in North and Mid Wales now and big businesses as well. You know, people like Iceland are, are big employers yeah. up there and, and there's a few others. And I kind of wondered, well, is there something that the WRU know that we don't, that there is some kind of money that can come into this, into well, this supposed region and, yeah, sorry, not supposed, this proposed region it's a region already, it would you know, be turning professional. Is there something there that that makes it more financially viable than someone like the Ospreys? I believe they have got 12 or 10 or 12 partners that are, that are either interested or, mm. or, or giving some sort of funding. I think Iceland actually may be, may, may be, may one, be one of them. them. Um, in some ways, you could say that it's possibly easier to attract investment because there's not as many other distractions around. So um, obviously there's there's four professional regions at the moment, all based yeah, in South and West close Wales. Close proximity, yeah. really. Um, so yeah, there's there's, some, there's potentially something in that, isn't there? And you know, for you, for it could you, be. You, I, I mean, funda- fundamentally, though, the, the big appeal for a sponsor is the opportunity to get brand exposure in front of in front of an audience. So be that, and then drive profit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, in the long run, drive drive profit and revenue, but. The you know the, the the opportunity for exposure and the the link with the supporters is a big thing. Now there's the TV exposure that will come with that. Now at the moment, Pro 14 is shown on a channel that does not disclose its viewing figures. I've said before, I think they're doing a half decent job of, of the coverage. I enjoyed having it all on one channel, but we've no idea what viewing figures are doing on it. And I think the reason that they haven't published that is because let's be honest, it's going to be pretty small. The other thing that you've got there is, is what would attendances be like in in the ground, you know? And the ground is another is another matter that that you know the, the um, Parker Ice or Stadium Zip World, as, it, as it's known because of the sponsor. It's a great name. Though. <laughs> it's uh, you know it's um, it's a venue that would need development yeah, in just, order to. It's just to, over six thousand, isn't it? It's, it's just over six thousand. There's a running track around it, which I don't think is ideal. Um, watch the the Wales Under Twenties game up there the other the other night and, and the atmosphere seemed really really good so you know again they're, they're encouraging things but in terms of it being financially viable I think there's an awful lot we need to see yeah. before we can make that judgement 
yeah, I'd agree. There's a long there's a long way to go with it, isn't there? Um, but yeah, I guess there's a number of players, isn't there, that have come through from you know, come through from that way. I just you just you just wonder whether or not the appetite is there, and and I think linked into this, we need to have a chat about the you know the game going behind a number of paywalls, you know, because yeah. that will have that will have a massive effect in an area where. You know, it's not new to rugby at all, but it's you're you're you're, you're trying to pick up an, a new audience, aren't yeah. you? And I don't think paywall uh, will 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 do any. Well, certainly won't make it harder, won't it? Yeah, of course it will. And you know, we said this before. We've seen the examples of kind of de- you know participation in cricket since Test match cricket went behind a paywall in this country. And you know, I think there's definitely a correlation that you can draw between that now. Rugby in Wales is now all behind the Premier Sports paywall or BT if it's European. It's not as if you've got the automatic big audience of sticking it on Friday or Saturday night on BBC One Wales, BBC Two Wales, and having a big audience where people will come across it. You have to go and actively seek this out. And, you know, that's, that's, that would be a very tough job. I'm coming across probably a bit negative on this at the moment, but... I just think there's a lot of questions that would need to be answered. You know, I, I would love to see a region in in North Wales because I think it's a, a huge potential for players, big catchment area, and like you said, the opportunity to, to grow the game there. The question just is, is it any more financially viable mm. than, than the regions in the South? And at the moment, I I don't know. They're the right questions to ask, though, aren't they? Because the... Yeah, there's major ramifications, aren't there? If, yeah. if, that, if that takes place, we're going to lose... We're going to lose a region... And you know that's going to be that's going to be a, a you know bit of bit of pill to to take, isn't it? For well, a, well, you know, let's let's um, you know again. We don't propose to be rugby experts here, right? We do this for fun because we love the game, and ultimately we're a pair of fans who who love Welsh rugby. Now, when rugby in Wales went regional, just one season, and you lost the side that you supported. Yeah. So you talk about bit of pill. You know, you've you've experienced that firsthand. Yeah, well, yeah, and I suppose that was, you know, that was a side that it only been, you know, it was only going for, mm. it was only alive for a very, in a very short life, didn't it? Yeah, um, so if, season, yeah. Yeah, so if you, you know, these sides have been going, you know, going for a number of years, haven't they? What, since 2003? Yeah. It? So that's quite a long time of, of, of support, but that doesn't, that doesn't then mean that, you know, we can't change if there's a, if there's a case, if there's a case for it, and... It's going to be a business case for it, isn't yeah. it? Then, um, then tough decisions will, will, will probably be made. But there's there's a lot. I think there's a lot that's got to that's got to go into it. And and, and I believe that you know, there would be, wouldn't there? They'd be they'd be looking at every single uh, viable option. But for, on the sponsor side, mm. as you mentioned, there's I think there's twelve companies that are that are either interested or are sponsoring RGC in some way or another. They're all ultimately going to be interested in making money, and we know yeah, that none of the none of the regions do. Yeah, um, you know, the, at a slightly different, well, very different level. The Exeter, the Exeter uh, top man there came out, didn't he? So you need fifty million yeah. to basically start up a you know start up a club. So they're, they're, when he was talking about ring fencing, mm. you know, ring fencing is not popular, but it's probably needed to to protect the game. And you think fifty million. And yes, yeah, we're, we're miles away from that. A, miles away. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's a huge. It's a huge amount, isn't it? It is huge. Um, right? Something else I want to build on there. Something you mentioned about you know some of the, the quality players that have come through. You know, I guess geographically come through through North Wales either via RGC or or through other routes. 
Well, the Ospreys is expected to be the region that would miss out if this proposal does go ahead. That's supposed to be something in the region of 30% of Welsh players who've been capped since 2003 have come through the Ospreys system. And those pathways... And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a cracking point because you look at the you look at the the pathways then out towards RGC, and it surely can't be anywhere near comparable to to the the, the pathway that I don't the know. Ospreys I really those don't clubs know. Owner. But I we I don't know. I mean, you would look at it geographically and go, okay, well, you've got areas that I suppose it would have been too big a distance to link that closely to the Scarlets. Again, I don't know. Um, that you know that, that that could cover you know the, the opportunity to to harness whatever playing potential there is in you know there is in in mid Wales and and um, and see if there's you know opportunity to to build that pathway. But it, it doesn't strike me as an easy thing when you've seen that the Ospreys look. This is being headed by the WRU, and their fundamental concern is making sure that Team Wales works for a number of reasons. One, it's the national side, and that's the one that you know that bears their badge. Secondly, they need a successful Team Wales in order to fund the professional okay. rugby yeah. and below that. So it's in their interest to have a strong Team Wales. And I, I just there's, there's a big part of me that thinks what the Ospreys have done in terms of producing players, putting to one side whatever might be going on financially there, that's something that that is taking a big risk uh, if you were to you know if you were to take that away. And you know you've got Wales is second city there plus the surrounding catchment area with some fantastic clubs who've produced phenomenal players over the year again we talk about Celtic Warriors just there you know you look at some of the players who've come through who've come through Bridge End a club like that yeah where does where does that fit into the system do they then go to you know would, would a Bridge End player then be be in the Blues region it's just a really tricky one to, to try and get your head around yeah it is very difficult I mean what what this does show I think is that there is you know, there's more than needs to be done then with RGC and that whole that, that you know the whole section of North Wales isn't mm. it? is a is a massive area, massive geographical area, and, and and we need to probably do more in that area. It's just whether or not we go to that that level of you know merging two you know two established regions then so losing one and then setting up a new one is that the right way? And that's a huge call. It is a huge, huge call. call. What's your gut telling you at the moment? I know you didn't want me to ask you that, but let's do it. No, I didn't want you to ask me that. I mean, originally, I, I, I suppose earlier on today, I was thinking, yeah, look, you know, rugby has never rugby's never been great with with changes, and particularly Welsh rugby. Yeah. You know, we've always struggled. You know, we know about the tribalism, all these things. And I thought, look, let's do something bold. Let's make a change. It's not working at the moment. Yeah. Albeit the national side's absolutely flourishing, but it's not working beneath. Grassroots is struggling. <clears throat> let's merge. Let's merge two 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 regions and, and go for a, yeah. you know go for the fourth in in uh, in North Wales. But then after about an hour, I just came back and thought, actually, no, that's is that that's it's not that's not the right thing to do right now. So I'm completely caught. I don't know where you lie on it. Are you to and fro in as well, or I mean my Putting aside my allegiance here, you would have to look at the Dragons and say that they would be bloody lucky to avoid the chop. You know, you have Cardiff just down the road. Um, and now, look, again, for, as I've said before in this podcast, I don't want to see the Dragons go. They're my team. And particularly... WIU owned now, though. And WIU owned, of course. 
but I also, you know, the, you think about, again, some of the players who've come through Gwent and the, the Dragons region, however disappointing the Dragons have been on the pitch, fantastic talent has come out of has come out of that region you know despite the yeah, despite huge the amounts and you know and again you go back further you know further than before regional rugby and and that story is exactly the same however it is it is a it's a really really difficult one to argue that the ospreys given that they're you know wales's most decorated region should be the one to go when the dragons have struggled on the field and struggled financially since since you know since Mike Ruddock went you know that's the well, since Mike Ruddock went and since the 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 benefactors pulled the money out you know it's the dragons though are probably the least likely now aren't they to to actually but you could probably, you could argue that they're probably the easier one to fold because well in terms of success yeah but then does that does that come into it it's probably about it's got to, now it's all going to be about um financial viability isn't it it is and which which sides are actually in the mm. best the best shape now. They're all, bar the dragons, in very precarious positions. Yeah. All running at huge losses, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And obviously, you know, there's other stories this week. You know, Cardiff Blues owing 113 grand in rent, uh, but at the same time signing, you know, signing Josh yeah. Adams and uh, and Josh Navidi signing a new contract and uh, and all of these kind of things. And that story, look, let's Jared be honest, Evans, Jared Evans' new contract, new contract, that story is one of the worst kept secrets in Wales because everyone knows that that, that was that, that was over. And a lot of people do that, don't they, with their rent. It's sort of, oh, well, um, we'll pick up the rent. Yeah. We'll pick up the rent at a later at a later date. But I'll throw something at you now. Go on. There's rumours, isn't there, that the that, uh, CBC Capital Partners, private equity firm, obviously, they, that are... Uh, Twenty-seven percent stake now in the English Prem. Are they? Are they going to be coming in? What would you, if you were a venture capitalist, would you see the opportunity in in Welsh rugby? Right Absolutely there? not. Um, if it was purely on on club on club, yeah. now they probably they're going to be looked well, they they're a group of bright individuals, aren't they? Mm. Businessmen, so you they've got to have their eye on on something else, and it's bigger. It's in the next level up, isn't it? I think that you know that if that route were to be explored, I think there could be very exciting opportunities for the clubs. I would be very worried about mm. about international rugby remaining on free to air television, given their history of Formula One, well, and yeah. putting as much of that behind a paywall as they possibly could. You know, and again, you know, we talk about people wanting to see a return on investment. Yeah, sponsors want to see a return on investment. If there's any group in the world who want to see a return on investment, <laughs> it's venture capitalists. Yeah. Like so, yeah. you know, I, look, I I don't follow Formula One these days, but I know people who have been very, yeah. you know, very skeptical about what they did to Formula One. It'd be very interesting to see how it plays out in the Premiership. Those clubs are, have received their windfall, so the Premiership sides are only going to be getting stronger in terms of you know in terms of their squads. So, look, it's, it's a route you couldn't rule out because you'd have to look at it. But yeah, well, this, this isn't a this isn't a golden ticket no. opportunity here. There's some no serious huge, ramifications. Huge, on it. huge risk, isn't it? And obviously, you know, you only got to look at their the most significant immediate change to the English Prem is the control of uh, of the Premiership's rugby commercial operations. You just can see where that's going, can't you? It's going to the top. It's going. It's going beyond the. The club and regional mm. game, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Because I, why else would you? Do, why else would you get involved? 
again, you know, I think at some point it'd be great for us to get on a couple of our journalist mates who would probably have mm. better intel on this than I think. But I'm with you. I agree. I think that the play for CVC is the international game. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about it. And they know, we, don't they, that the, the, the rugby is in such... It's, it's, it's in turmoil in terms of in terms of its financial viability yeah. that they know that look we're going to come in with a multi-million pound deal for the Prem yeah you, you can't say no because otherwise you're going to die and we're going to then turn the screw but you'll survive for a while It's on, that's what it almost feels like doesn't it yeah I, I get that and, and um, it's the same with the Pro 14 but you, you potentially even in a worse position that, that, that oh, they're living day the, by the, day the Pro 14 are in a much worse position and you know, again story broke would have been Friday or, or Saturday that and again this has been mooted for a long time that more South African regions set to join so yeah. potentially another two joining I think it was as soon as next season was it yeah, or maybe I think so, yeah. and you know that will bring financial benefit for the uh, for the league that they simply cannot say no to right now. I think what if we think of somewhere in the region of five or six million that, that adding the cheetahs and the Southern Kings brought yeah. into the league. Now, if you start adding into the mix someone like the Stormers, yes, yeah, and the Bulls, the bigger sides, bigger sides with better players and bigger fan bases, then that's where it could you know start to start to have a, a good short-term impact on the commercial of uh, the club. Yeah. But you're right, that you know, the, the clubs and the league are living... And that's, where CBC, and that's where CBC will be will be more interested in the game, won't they? You know, if there's bigger sides, bigger South African sides are coming in, it's going to be a lot more interesting for them. Yeah, and again, you know, if we're talking about putting it behind Audience. putting it behind a paywall, CBC, if they were to invest in that competition, invest in the clubs, they then drag in, you know, they drag it all onto the same... The same platform. So if you, you know, let's say it were to stay on BT, all of a sudden you have, for the rugby fan, you have BT covering the English Prem, Pro Twenty Eight or whatever we're up to at this point, and the uh, and the European leagues. Uh, sorry, the European competition, mm-hmm. and then that's where you can start to see it become a an easy concept for the fans. So you just buy into it on on BT or or however CBC planned doing it. But you can see all of that being bought under one roof. Yeah. What about yeah, so obviously we've got more questions than answers here, but the other kind of options that we've seen, a two plus two scenario whereby you would have two, I guess, full-time, well, not full-time, but two hero regions and then two development regions. So that's, fun, one, funded, that's one option. Funded very differently. Yeah. I, I, for me, I, I, it doesn't sit well. I think we've got enough, it's, we've got enough talent to hold to have four regions, and I think that if we do, if we did go down to a two plus two, mm. then the two plus two model is still the size would still be professional regions, but they would be in the mold of Connacht. So is that right? You know, yeah, so they're, they're in the mold of Connacht and still playing the league. Yeah, they get different levels, but they get different level of funding, so they're much more reliant on yeah, bringing youngsters through the system. I mean, let's be honest, the Dragons are a development region anyway. Mm. Uh, you know, you could argue: Is there much point paying Ross Moriarty, whatever it is, three hundred and fifty grand a year to to be at to be at the Dragons? You know, and that's no that's no slight on him whatsoever. I think he's a terrific player, but you know, he's got injury problems, and his his fundamental aim is to is to play Test rugby for Wales. Is it worth putting him out to you know get the crap kicked out of him on a on a Saturday afternoon, or is it better to bring young talent through that then that then serves the the rest of Wales better? 
Yeah, it could work. I, yeah, I guess it's an interesting one, that isn't it? It could work. Again, I, you know, it could again, work I, well. I wouldn't. I'd rather um, it didn't happen. But it, it's hard to look at the dragons and say that and say that we've been much more than a development region over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, is it that? It, it's not that dissimilar to what's going on now, though, is it? Really, in in, in a way, I mean. No, but you have different you have different financial levels, and then it means that you know. Let's be honest; it would be the that, scarlets and the blues get bigger budgets. They yeah. get to recruit a, a deeper squad. So all and in the roof, though, all, all WIU control. Well, I don't think it would be WIU control. The funding would yeah. be so. Yeah, they yeah. will get. There be two tiers of funding. Blues and scarlets get uh, get the the higher level of funding. Dragons and the ospreys get get the lower tier. You don't like it, do you? No, it doesn't sit that well. But then, you know, that's, this is the whole Welsh thing, isn't it? Again, you, you, it's hard to take, isn't it? That mm. you know, one side's getting more than more than the other. But tough decisions have to be made, and that's why, you know, I suppose that's why the you know WIU are going to have to make make these calls on. And they've been they've, they've been very very quiet, haven't they? Haven't they've made a statement, have they, since, no. since January? So. They're, they're, they're probably overwhelmed by the whole situation I would they assume. are I also part of me wonders whether you know this, this information has been leaked by yeah. someone no idea Deliberate. who could be deliberate you know you look, look at the look at the political world and how things are leaked to papers in order to manage situations from a PR point of view this could be something that actually is is used to either drum up support for a North Wales region or at some point for the W to turn around and go we're not scrapping the Ospreys over my dead body. The Ospreys are going nowhere. Four regions shall remain. Now everyone get down there. Everyone get down and support their support their region. And they are remaining know. for a while, aren't they? Well, they're, they're here so for another season. Day. Yeah, exactly. You you couldn't do anything any later. So, but again, you know, in terms of recruitment, let's say there's a you know there's a good player up for grabs. Realistic, you know, let's say, let's say um, Hal Amos, right? Again, hasn't signed a new contract with the Dragons. He's not going to go to the Ospreys now, is he? You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be going to the Ospreys. So you've you've now got a situation where really he's going to end up at he's going to end up at the Blues or a very unlikely scenario where he where he stays at at the Dragons. So it changes things. But you know, if the, if the, if the Ospreys are only going to be around for one more season, again, you got Alan Wynne Jones. You can get a bigger servant to out- a to Welsh rugby yeah. and b to that region and that club. <laughs> his contract he's put his body on the line for every every single game and every training session he's ever taken part in for the black shirt or the red shirt that he's playing in you know that, that's going to be testing his loyalty to the ultimate max to say oh, I'll stick around for another year I'll, you know we might have a team then it's it's, it's you know it's a really horrible situation and you know I, I feel for the I feel for the fans of of all regions at the moment the uncertainty is mm. It's killing. It's killing people because you just don't know where we're going to be. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's very similar to the to the political landscape at the moment, isn't it? With just uncertainty, does no good for anything. And um, we need we a call needs to be made, doesn't it? Either mm. way, it's exactly the same on you know Brexit, really. I suppose we want to go into that, do we? we but, definitely don't. So I think that's probably a convenient time to take a break there, Dan. Let's just about to go into that. Let's not. Let's hundred percent not do that. Uh, so coming up after this short break we're going to be talking about the World League another massive development in the world of rugby this week Uh, so we're going to be talking about that and and our thoughts on that and don't forget there is another separate podcast that looks ahead to the Scotland game and hopefully things that are a little bit lighter and we can be a bit more optimistic about but coming up after this short break we're going to be talking about the World League 
Right, time now to talk about the other big news that has dominated the back pages this week. This, uh, again, another proposed document that has been leaked, published in the New Zealand Herald, this theory of a world league. So a quick recap, so a 12-team league played amongst the some of the leading international teams of the world, played across two bursts of the season, July and November, with semi-finals and final in November. The big talking point that's come out of this, Dan, is that Pacific Island excluded from this, or you know, certainly the draft that we've seen, not involved, and it's you know that's caused a, a huge amount of, of outcry on on social media. First question for you: Are they being treated like second class citizens here? Yeah, so they are. Don't think you can. Don't think you can argue any other way with it, really, can you? Um, it just seems again to me to come down to sort of if you strip it all back, it's money again, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, at the heart of all of this, and there's been a massive response, isn't there? Yeah. A massive sort of global response, really, from you know, outcry people coming out saying, look, we can't can't allow this to happen. I know the Pacific Rugby Players Welfare said that their 600 strong membership of mostly Europe-based professional rugby players <clears throat> was discussing and debating a... A boycott, yeah. Yeah, a motion proposed by a group of senior test players, reps, members make themselves unavailable for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. I mean, it's... You know, it's pretty big. I mean, that's a massive, a massive threat as well. Because you know, what would World Rugby do in that scenario? You know, do they parachute in the next cabs off the ranks, so to speak? You know, did Brazil then turn up at the World Cup? There's huge implications for that in terms of the marketability of it and, and the safety of it. You know, if you had a, you know, semi-professional sides, you know, or sides who who haven't qualified for the competition, then having a a run into it without proper preparation time, you could have you know an absolute potential disaster on your hands there. So, but you know they're perfectly within their rights to threaten that. I think. Yeah, I t- yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's interesting when you look at when you think of who who has leaked the news. You know, what are the agendas behind this? Yeah. Because you know, I suppose one something that. Has this happened then? Say, of the Pacific, you know, some of the welfare guys, you know, thrown this out there, have maybe heard about it on the grapevine, yeah. or there's a little whisper and thought, hang on, we, we've got to do something about this. Mm. We'll leak something now. Um, and obviously got a massive response. And, you know, I'm not saying that's, that's that I wouldn't have done the same if I was yeah. in their shoes. But it, it's interesting when you look at who's who's doing it, then, you you know, you can bring in sort of, you know the Six Nations. There's been big calls, isn't there, for other sides to come in. Georgia, and, you know the, the likes of others. It's not. It's not. It's not happening. It's not going anywhere yeah. really. And then other sides are trying to get into the, you know, the equivalent of the Six Nations on the other side of the yeah. world. Again, they don't want. Uh, well, they don't want any more sides really joining, do they? But, I mean, the thing is, I think the rugby championship needs a really good looking at anyway. Because, well, that's it. So because it's not—is there an agenda? It's not there? quite found its feet, has it? And I think yeah. it's better as a fourteen tournament than it was as three. You know, it had novelty value in the first few years of the Tri Nations, yeah. but then when you've got player teams playing each other three times, it's just. But do you think weird? But that's so. Again, if we look at who's lead the news and other agendas, is it is that tournament that great anymore? The Six Nations is obviously the envy yeah. of, of 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 every single nation really they want the same thing yeah so 
Who, who's driving this? Well, I'll tell you one thing that really interests me, and it's hopefully we'll kind of start to answer that question, is promotion and relegation is the big talking point of this because they're, mm. they're the proposed scenario that has been leaked doesn't include promotion and relegation. It's essentially a ring-fenced scenario. So that, that excludes the Pacific nations, it excludes Georgia, Romania, etc. Now, shortly after this, Brett Gosper and Augustine Pichot both independently come out and said, we wanted to push through promotion and relegation. Don't think this is the final version of it, but we want, both of them have said we wanted to push through promotion and relegation. So the reality is, is that this is the, that big issue of promotion and relegation and widening the game rather than having a, a closed shot is being led by a or a few unions within world rugby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw Steve, um, Steve Chu, CEO of New Zealand rugby and he put, didn't he put out any, any new competition must have a pathway for new and developing countries to join, including our Pacific neighbors. Mm. Um, Cause there's a lot of people rightly or wrongly suggesting on social media that New Zealand were driving that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people weren't happy with, with the way in which that, that read as a pathway for new and developing countries. Um, people didn't quite like yeah. the use of words there. But, uh, yeah, they seem, it, it's, I just wonder where, who, you know, who this, where this has come from. Um, and then an, another really interesting point I looked at was with um, Mike Rehu, who's the New Zealand sports and, uh, who's a, a New Zealand sports and media uh, commentator. And he said, world, um, a World Rugby League, so World Rugby's push to make the game global, uh, pushing US, the US and Japan... Is at the expense of the Pacific, at the expense of the Pacific Islands. He said he's got Amazon's fingerprints all over it. Why? Which is interesting. Really interesting. So Amazon, in terms of yeah, so you look at you know they obviously they want the US in there, they want Japan. Yeah, massive markets for for Amazon. Um, I mean, this is the thing. That just this is the thing that doesn't sit right with me, and it's you, it has to, if you're going to do something called a world league, it has to be a meritocracy. And generally speaking, of all the governing bodies across sport, world rugby is one that generally encourages growing the game. You look at the amount of money from Rugby World Cup that is there, you know, they're the biggest tournament in the game that world rugby organise. A lot of that money generated does go into growing the game and developing nations. You know, you mm. think how, you know, coaches like Phil Davis end up with with Namibia and, yeah. and helping strengthen helping strengthen those things. As a governing body goes, generally speaking, they've been pretty pro growing the game. You know, and whether that's for commercial benefit or not, it makes sense. Mm. Now, if you have a an e-commerce giant slash potential broadcast partner coming in and dictating the terms of where of which teams are going to take place in this. That does not sit right no. with me. In that's the, that's the end of rugby, isn't it? Really, in what rugby it's the is the end of the soul of rugby? Yeah. I think. Yeah, which you know, slowly going that way anyway, isn't it? Really, if we you know we link back to the earlier conversations yeah. we were having. So yeah, I just thought that was a really interesting point um, to, to you know to bring up by him. Yeah, really interesting. Um, I guess what happens next is going to be the the, the, the crucial thing. You know, we've had world rugby, you know, two of the leading figures in world rugby come out and say 
that promotion relegation is something that they want as part of any proposed tournament. Hmm. So were that to happen, what would your thoughts be on it? Let's say we do end up with a, a tournament along these lines hmm. with promotion relegation. So Fiji, Samoa, etc. have the chance to, to, to be a part of it. What would your thoughts be on it then? Wasn't there a wasn't there a twelve and twelve proposal that was potentially put out with sort of twelve sides being you know supposedly tier you know tier mm. one and then twelve sides being tier two yeah. I, th- I think I, I think I came across something like that yeah. um, something that throws something that th- when you look at what is what is a tier there's a massive difference though isn't there, there between is. the tier one sides you know because you've got you got Italy in there isn't you as a tier one side. Um, You've got Scotland mm. in there, you know. Um, I don't know. For me, there would have to be there'd have to be a way. I don't think we could ring fence on an uh, like an on it like a world league. Then I can I totally I totally get the argument for ring fencing um, like the English Prem, for instance. Yeah. And I think actually that's the way forward right. for them. But in a world in a world league, I, I that, that doesn't sit, sit well, right with me. Particularly when exclude, you know, like. Like, ring fencing in the, in the Premiership is a bit is a big topic, and it's probably easier for me to have an opinion on it because I don't follow any of those teams. Yeah. But you know, it looks as though there's financially viable probably 13 teams, which is really unfortunate. You know, London Irish probably being the the 13th. Yeah, you could then argue, I don't know, maybe Ealing Trailfinders. You've got a big benefactor, so you either grow it to 14 and ring fence it, or you end up ring fencing it at 12 and the you know the other teams have to go and find another league. <clears throat> Pro twenty eight starts to become a starts to become a thing. Now, to go back to the you know to go back to the world league, you you have to have it as a meritocracy because you're right. You know, are Italy better than Fiji? Yeah. Debatable. I mean, look at look at yesterday's result. So um, Uruguay, yeah, would be in USA, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, USA, uh, the, the yeah. ones proposed to be in there. That's yeah. an incredible result. Mm. Um, but so, if it were a meritocracy, if there was the opportunity for Uruguay to to be in the top, yeah, be in the top tier at the expense of, of USA, how would that sit with you? Would you be interested in watching this tournament? Well, I think I think the meritocracy is something that sits better, you know, better with me, but. I just don't know whether we need this. Well, really. that was going to be my other question. Is that like, it's, it's what, something why? that's there's not really been around rugby. We've always had test matches, you know, one-off tests yeah. being something that we've we've really heroed. I think particularly with the autumn, you know, Six Nations. Look, you know, is is still a fantastic tournament, and you know the setup that that, that is. Oh. It, it it really does work. Okay, now again, promotion relegation, you can. You can argue, and we've probably got you know we've both got opinions on that. But if you look to the autumn, mm. it's not the appeal that it once was. You know, you, attendances in Cardiff will will tell you that. Obviously, the prices have gone up, but the the lure of having Australia at home is not the same when you play the buggers five times a year. It's just not, is it? You know, and you see that New Zealand still holds that that real appeal, but Australia, South Africa, they they don't hold the same appeal. Yeah. So, you know, is the, the old school test match a hangover from the amateur era? Yeah, potentially, but I just... 
So you, there's two camps, this isn't there? If this league comes in, you could say that it, it, it brings it brings a new meaning then to to every game. So the autumn internationals, yeah, are no longer sort of you know, no longer friendlies then, yeah. or you know development games, yeah. which which we actually need, yeah. right? Uh, and players need to be rested, but that's another that's another side of it. Yeah, we haven't um, got to that yet. Yeah. So you know, it, it would really concentrate. Everyone wants to win. You want to win every single game. And then there's the other side of it, which hasn't really been talked about in a massive way, that I think that it would actually probably um, weaken the games potentially even more. Go on. Because you'd, you're probably going to pick and choose your games because the players are not going to be able to play. You're not going to be able to play your, your, your starters then in every single game because no, it's going to be so, so physically demanding, both well physically and mentally as well. Um, so a lot of these games can be actually worse than they currently are at the moment. It's not just a given, is it, mm. that you put a a big, you, know, you dangle a, a lot of money at the end there, and the, you know who's driving. You know, this is all driven by a, by on the commercial, isn't it? Well, it's, it is, but you know, and, and the thing is, I, naturally, I don't have a problem with trying to grow the game financially. That makes perfect sense to me. As we discussed in the first part, you need money to play players. These players put their bodies on the line for club and country and deserve to be, uh, you know, recompensed with the, you know, with the, with the, the right amount of money. Um, just what I really do not want to see is a system where it's, it's a closed shot and you, you do not have the opportunity to, to have flourishing national teams from places like Fiji and, and Samoa and and Tonga and Georgia and all of these places who are doing, you know, they add a great deal of colour to our sport. They're fantastic. You know, what other sport do Tonga play? What other sport could Fiji go and win an Olympic gold medal in? You know, they, they, they add so much to our game that that's something that needs to be protected. So I'm, I'm fine with, with growing the game commercially, but I'm not fine on growing it on the grounds that someone right at the top of world rugby or at the top of individual unions is just going to get rich from it and you know I'll include Wales in that I don't want to see a system where Wales flourish from it at the expense of of sides with rich rugby heritage when I think there is an opportunity to grow the game for everyone here mm. yeah totally so you're, you're massively against then the, the well particularly the ring, the ring, the ring fencing, fencing yeah. 100% but if, yeah, if the ring fencing comes in that, that ends rugby doesn't it for a number of those nations mm. because they are already play for Australia or New yeah, Zealand, yeah, and 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 that's happening in its droves, yeah. isn't it? But that's 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 going to happen. Well, you know, well, it just, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, it's the end of it. Yeah, so, and, and that doesn't sit right with me at no, all. No, that can't. That that that's that's not right. That can't happen. Um, no, it's not. I suppose you know the other thing is some of these unions, as we know, and has been documented to the press, are not run in a particularly financially stable way and the the politics of those countries don't lend themselves to it but if that is a stipulation of making sure these things get sorted in order to be a part of this this world league then maybe there is some leverage there to say that you know it has to the money that you receive will have to be distributed in a way that is going to benefit the game in Samoa or Tonga or Fiji or wherever, you know, it can't be that it's just it's creamed off the top. What that's that is how what it comes down to for me. You need money in the sport, you need it to flourish, 
but it can't be for the for the for the gain of, of certain individuals. You know that that's the bit that just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, agreed. You mentioned there the the player welfare aspects. Now, Johnny Sexton, Owen Farrell, Kieran Reid, some of the big names from rugby to, to speak out against this. Just feels like player welfare has been completely overlooked by this iteration of the proposal. Well, it has, yeah, hasn't it? But it's again, it's <clears throat> this is a leaked. It's a leaked proposal, isn't it? It's mm. not, you know. You'd like to think there'd be more. There'd be more, more to it. There'd be more considered. Um, yeah, a number of people just to take it off slightly again have mentioned about you know the lions. They threw the yeah. lions into this, and then the Six Nations. But Bill Beaumont's come out and he said the um, the international importance of the lions and in major international competitions to players, fans, and unions are, are recognised protected and at the heart of this project so you know he's come out with that statement um i think i think it would you know if there was a world league it would have an impact on on the on on the lions it would have an impact on six nations Mm. it just will won't it it can't not um so yeah i just i don't know it it doesn't um i just question whether or not we need it really yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I'm I'm all for exploring the opportunity because I, you know, I, I and I, I love the old school test match. I really do. But you know, even I've I've stopped going to a lot of the games in Cardiff just because it, yeah, it's very expensive now. And you go, right? Do we really need another test? You know, we do need a test against. If they the gave you that singing sure. section, you'd be there. Well, yeah, maybe I would. But you know, <laughs> you were there last week against England, oh. and the atmosphere and the intensity. Was yeah. due to the the meaningful nature of the line. game. Very, very electric. <laughs> very, very electric. Yeah, some good English pros there. Um, <laughs> it was it was incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible atmosphere. But that's it, isn't it? Is, is that is dominated? Yes, of course, the rivalry that we have with mm. England. But but then you never the gonna... it wouldn't be the same thing if we were playing a one-off test against them in the autumn. No, but it, it wouldn't could... be the same, would it? It's it... because the, it was a meaningful game with a lot on yeah, the line. But also two teams with everything to win and lose. It can't possibly be like that every game. Because then it loses. It's not as important. Mm. You know, it loses a little bit of, you know, of uh, of how special it is. Then I mean, we all, you know, the Wales England games, they're just always massive, aren't they? And it'll be, I, I reckon, it'll probably be the same atmosphere again for this, for the Ireland game, which you'll go into, aren't you? I am, yeah. Well, I, I, particularly if there is a if there is a slam on the line, that's going to be something special. Is, isn't it? We'll talk about that <laughs> in uh, in in the next podcast yeah. that we record. But yeah, to finish, to finish on this, look, it's, uh, thinking out loud here, right, and I haven't thought this one through, I wonder if there is a way of turning the Autumn Internationals into a more, into a more meaningful kind of, almost like a mini World Cup. Could you have seedings based on, based on the tournaments that exist around the world? So Six Nations Rugby Championship, an expanded Rugby Championship Six, uh, the, uh, the America's Cup or whatever they, they call that yeah. version, the... Uh, the the European Nations Cup, the one that sits below the Six Nations, could you then go? Okay, cool, right. Well, you know, Scotland finished fourth, so they're going to go into Pool C, and you play those, you play those awesome internationals still here in the Northern Hemisphere, but you get a crack at, you know, someone will get a crack at New Zealand, you'll get a crack at someone will get a crack at Australia. You'll also have a development game against, you know, against uh, Georgia. You might also have a, a local. Derby against Ireland as well. 
you know, you know what I mean. So you almost have yeah. a, a bit like you, you ever play in festivals as a as a yeah. kid, you know, and you play mini rugby, and the top two go through into, or the top team goes through into a into a knockout stage, yeah. and the bottom go through to contest for the shield or something. I, I'm not thinking this one through, but that feels like a way of of expanding the game a bit more, giving some development sides time against the, the bigger nations, and there's still a showpiece final of you know a semi final of Wales versus New Zealand and. England versus Australia, you know that then feels like there's a, a big. It's likely to happen. Like, you know, like the nation, the, yeah. the League of Nations, or whatever they call it in football. Yeah. You know, it's been a surprise success the way they've turned friendlies into meaningful games. Mm. Yeah, it's likely that something, something will come of this, won't it? There'll be a version. There'll be a version. It'll well, be, it'll be modified. If there's this kind of money on the line, I think they'll yeah. find well, a way. Imagine, I just want it to be a fair. Yeah, and the sponsor that's going to want to come in, you know, come in on that, be be monumental, wouldn't it? But. Yeah, and it, and it could, well, it could well be good for mm. the it could be good for the global game as well, couldn't it? it? Could actually develop the game if it's done if it's done, it's done right if it's yeah. done right, and it, and I think it it could be very good. They've just got to make sure that it's not too, um, you know, it's not too favoured in terms yeah. of the the so called you know tier one, you know tier one rugby nations. Yeah, because there's a big argument just in that in, in you know what is a tier one rugby nation at, at the moment anyway. Yeah. No, it's an interesting one. I just, I just think I, I would hope that there is some kind of hybrid thing that you could have a bit like in, um, you know, if you, if you look at cricket, you have the Cricket World Cup every every four years, and then every two years you have the ICC Champions Trophy. Or, you know, that that was a big success for a while because it was short, condensed, mini version of a World Cup, and was you know was kind of over and done with quickly without being too dragged out. In a way, it was a blueprint for what they should have done with the actual Cricket World Cup, which became quite a long and confusing yeah. tournament. So I don't know, I wonder whether there's, you know, whether there is something like that that could be done or, you know, every once in a while you have a, a, a fully blown European Championship where you have Georgia and Russia and Romania and Germany and Spain and Portugal come and contest and then we actually, you know, we actually see it for once and for all. But I don't know, I'm, I'm all up for expanding the game. I am just not up for, for booting out Re, uh, booting out teams that have a fantastic tradition and, and really have have added a huge amount to our game yeah amen right well that is it for podcast part one there is another one coming up right away which again hopefully will be a little less serious but we're, st- yeah, we're still talking about we're still talking about Six Nations here so on the line. so yeah a hell of a lot on the line so that is coming up uh, straight after this make sure you download and listen and if you like Dan Killick and like John and his cousin and Alan Wynne jones are uh, very big fans of the pod then please leave us a review on iTunes that helps us out massively uh, as I said at the, the start of the show really appreciate your support and everyone who's who's listened either they're a new listener or an old listener really appreciate it and let us know what you think about World League and Project Reset on Twitter at Attacking Scrum do the same on Facebook and you can also uh, Follow us on Instagram, Welsh Rugby Attacking Scrum, and we've got a massive Facebook group called Wales Rugby Fans. Join all of those things and uh, yeah, let us know your opinions. And finally, of course, big thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. That's it for the first part. Go and listen to the second part now. Podcast Network.